0: Home is where the art is. The Bold Acting Newsletter, Issue 14, for July 9th, 2023. Real Solitude, Real Friends. These are the polarities that make for real life balance. If you look at the artists that are making art, they don't ever mention how much time they spend on social media. They are alone, working on their art. Then they bring the art to an audience. Balance your work and your life with real friends. Family doesn't always count, only if it is additive. Obligation won't fuel you. If your friends aren't doing it for you, you're not doing it for them either. Whether they know it or not is a matter of self-knowledge. Comparing yourself to others is the shortest way to taking yourself off of your path and getting lost on someone else's. So don't hang out with the else's. When you're young, you should look at work-life balance as imbalanced and in thirds. Two-thirds work, one-third everything else. Your art is your life. This imbalance shouldn't be a struggle. You shouldn't want to take breaks. You won't be able to work as hard when you're older or dragged down by children or adulthood. Trust me. I'm a doctor. Middle age is overrated. You won't have the energy when you're my age, so hop to it. Work alone. Have a scene or a monologue with you at all times. It's going to be hard in the beginning. You're, you're not going to want to bring out this wrinkly old piece of paper when you're sitting on the streetcar or the bus and start memorizing lines in public. You'd much rather look at that shiny object burning a hole in your, in your bone density that costs you a thousand or two thousand dollars, and has all that easily digestible, uh, beautifully saturated colors and empty content for you to look at. The most recent reason why I took Instagram off my phone yet again is because I got hooked on crash dashes. I was actually watching car crashes on Instagram. Over and over and over again. Not the ones where people actually got hit, although although those are there. But I just loved watching car crashes. I mean, who doesn't? But it's not going to help me in the long run. Self-start the work you want when you don't have it. So you'll be ready for it when you do. The actor that has been quietly working on their favorite play for years is the one that will have every advantage when they finally get to audition for it. Can you imagine having Jez Butterworth's Jerusalem in your back pocket? It's one of the great modern plays in English. You know it's going to be mounted in your city eventually. What if you already knew the role of Rooster, made famous by Mark Rylance? Now, when someone is mounting a production of it, You're more ready than the competition. A house is built brick by brick. Give yourself ten years to build your house. Or more. It doesn't really matter. Just give yourself all the time in the world. And take care of the brick in front of you. Just that one. Don't worry about the other ones. The mason is on their way. The falling in love with the rigor is in the doing. The more you practice the practice, the more you'll love it. It's going to be boring or hard or whatever you want to call it in the beginning, but it'll get easier as long as you stick to it. Life is the Stockholm Syndrome. You make it. Choose one that will sustain. In conclusion, try out different friends. If it doesn't work out, no big deal. Try out some others. Plenty of fish in the sea. You don't have to have a cow over things. It's no big deal. We're all ants, and we're all gonna die. When in doubt, stay home and work. You're not alone if you're making art. If you're making art, it's called solitude. Solitude is preferable to hanging out with people you don't really like. Brick by brick. Take the pressure off. Don't compare yourself to others. Those others don't actually exist. They're avatars in the ether. They matter not. Stay home. Home is where the art is. The Bold Acting Newsletter, issue 15 for July 17th, 2023. Speak to your dead. A constant banging on about art in the face of commerce is a strategy that has so many holes in it. It's as much a reminder to me to seek fulfillment and peace through art as it is to you. We lose perspective once in a while when there are so many ivory towers being built. We can barely recognize where we are, what for the crowding of the horizon. My students are memorizing scenes they'll perform at the end of the month when class resumes. This is the heavy lifting of acting, jamming someone else's ambition into your head. Those words are not your business. Someone else, somewhere else, who is probably on strike right now, has been writing and rewriting them forever. That's their business. Those are their hopes and dreams. You must show us yours. You can't just spit those words out again. That's not art. You must interpret. Glenn Gould didn't play Bach Just like Goldberg, that had already been done. As had soup cans, a bicycle seat and handles, an ancient dial. You have to bring as much of yourself to those words as you dare. It has to feel embarrassing or awkward or uncool. It should look odd, feel funny, and make you question your judgment. But that is where you'll find the greats. Watch this to find Bergman. Read this to find Monroe. Feel their suffering, and in return, release a little of your own. Our innermost secrets and desires, the unspeakable, is the trade you must ply. You'll notice that after it's over, you feel free free from worry, from pain, from sadness, for now. Art isn't therapy, but it might as well be therapeutic. Why not? There's enough stuff that isn't. Your art shouldn't take a toll. In Laura M.I. Messina's novel, The Phone Booth at the Edge of the World, a man installs a phone booth in his garden after the tsunami. The phone is not hooked up to the network or anything. The phone is there for people to come and talk to their dead. They travel from all over to send their voices to the wind. But what is all this talk good for? Most everything is better out than in. There are exceptions. Timing is everything. Don't forget to read the room. The talk might not be scintillating or stimulating or deep, but the phone is the thing that gets it out and carries it away. A destructive thing made additive. Adversity into grist. Lead into gold. That's art. Takashi remembers his mother being in constant dialogue with his father, who had passed away when she was forty. He mostly remembered her interminable outbursts, and the figure of that fair, impassive man, standing patiently and listening. She would pour the overflowing bucket of her day out onto the table, and he would search through the sand, turning over every microscopic fragment of shell until she was happy. A dead phone that allows living people to grieve. A phone in place of a husband. For now. For a while. What's the thing you need? The silver bullet. The answer to all your woes. What's the thing that will kick it up a notch? Take it to the next level? Let you crush it? What's the thing? Who has the answer? It's not more, it's less. It's blinders to the busyness, earplugs to the noise. It's your focus. It's your calm realization that you've got one foot in the grave, and you better not wait another minute to do the thing that scares you most. That is where the gold is. So make it now, before you're ready. Don't wait for a tsunami. Build a phone booth, and in the middle of the night, drive it into High Park. Or find an old one in the hinterlands and bring it into the city. Pour a square of concrete, a plinth to rest it on. Make H, the architect, help you. He knows stuff about building. Or your neighbor J; he's a closeted anarchist. Do it in the depths of an Ontario winter when no one is around. Like when Hecate showed up in a ravine near Colburn Lodge a couple years ago. "'It doesn't matter that this art has been made already. "'Copy it. Copy the greats. "'Put it there without warning and without permission. "'Art doesn't need a committee. "'Art is better when it pisses people off. "'The grieving are all around you. "'The lonely are desperate for your imagination. "'You have to force it upon them. "'They don't know where to look.' Tear down these towers and feel the sun upon your face and watch as others join you and thank you for the view. The Rich Actor The Bold Acting Newsletter, Issue 16 for July 25, 2023 An excerpt from Jason Bryden's forthcoming book on acting. 99% of artists can't survive on art alone. The world is harder than ever on us. But this is nothing new. You know this. We've always been marginalized. We are still. We will be again. Art comes from adversity. So if you're having a hard time, then it means your timing is excellent. It means you've got extra fuel lying around. The difficulties are your ammunition. So get going. Your art begins to suffer when you've got it easy. But you don't have to look for drama or stress to be an artist. The suffering is all around you. Get your house in order and see the world more clearly. Then make the art that reflects back to your audience that which you see. Protect your art by earning money. Buy assets, not liabilities. Liabilities are things you can't afford, like a house or things that depreciate, like cars and technology. Assets are tools the artist uses for their business, education, things that bring you joy. You need the thing that costs the least but has the greatest joy yield you can find. For me, that would be getting a massage, eating dinner with friends, or having an experience with my kids. Massage costs me $100 plus HST, 80% of which is covered by extended health insurance. The joy points are through the roof. Eating dinner with friends also cost me about $100. Amortize that over the three hours, and that's just $33.33 per hour. I get others at the table to order for me thereby decreasing the amount of decisions, a.k.a. work, I have to do, and increasing my joy points once more. The yield is memories that can last a lifetime, if my memory holds, and stronger bonds with friends. See Chapter 12, Lexico Amica. A hike in Caledon, Ontario, with my kids will cost me gas, ice cream in Inglewood, and an espresso in Belle Fountain. But in a minute, these two young men of mine won't want to hang around with me much anymore, so I'm front-loading my time with them in the hopes that they'll be better people and that they'll resent me less. I can work harder later when they're not around so much. But buying a $2,500 iPhone 14 when the iPhone 10 in your pocket still works, more or less, has a reduced J-Roy, joy return on investment. And that phone will need replacing eventually. It's designed for it. Also, you'll get used to it. You'll get bored with it. Because it is so expensive, you'll be worried about it. They're easy to lose. Why are they so slippery? It owes you money, and it takes up headspace at the same time. That's a liability, not an asset. Freedom is not caring if you lose something. Freedom is not owning inanimate objects that really own you. Freedom is living within your means. Freedom is not needing to book that audition for the money. I saw a Lamborghini in traffic the other day on Sororan Avenue in my neighborhood. It was stuck in a line of cars going up to Dundas. Sororan's a terrible street. I avoid it like I avoid looking at a Nissan Juke or having to listen to Ed Sheeran. There isn't enough room for two lanes of cars, let alone two lanes of bikes on that piece of shit of a road. The poor fellow couldn't get out of first gear. He had to drive carefully over the speed humps, and even then he scraped his bottom. The potholes in my neighborhood are Mexican in breadth and depth. Sorry, Mexico, but your roads are shit. Follow closely by Canada's. A man in a Lambo may, on first blush, appear to have it all. But if you look closer, you'll see someone imprisoned by their things. A man who is probably bad with money. A man who is car-rich, sure but sense poor. Is that right? Or is he car poor? Is he poor because of his car? I don't know. I don't know his life. You know what I mean. And by the way, I use man instead of woman or person, not because I'm tired of correcting myself, which I am, but because it's always a man. Men require fancy cars due to small penises. Men do things because testosterone. The evidence is all around us. So what's the thing with the greatest J-Roy for you? Let your money work for you. As soon as you spend money, it can't work for you anymore. Essentially, you've fired a bunch of employees, and now you got to find new ones. Hiring good workers is way harder than keeping them. Save your money, especially in 2023. Instead of being terrified of interest rates by being in debt and hoping things turn around, get out of debt and make more money by saving it. Put your money in a high-interest savings account. Start young. Leave it there. Be lazy about your investing by not touching it. Don't worry about owning things. As soon as you own it, the thing begins to get old. Its Its natural state is to break down you're guaranteed the thing will break down and stop working so well. You start to worry about losing it. You have to find the money to repair it. You have a hard time leaving it. Sound familiar? Instead, make stuff with your friends. Like this digital series I made years ago, right before children, called The Staff Room. You can find it on YouTube. I made 10 episodes for 800 bucks. Meet interesting and attractive strangers in real life instead of buying stuff and having to work for it all the time. Walk through nature without saying anything. Eat doubles from alleys, dumplings from mothers, jerk from Rastapasta. Pasta. You could spend $300 on some redstone ISPAs, a shoe that looks like a cross between muffins, the color of bacon, and a knitted baby booty. Or you could recognize that most people don't even look at your feet. Too busy looking at their phone. Buy a pair of cloud smileys like I did for 30 bucks and experience real comfort, both on your feet and in your wallet. You have to be canny to make it, and by make it, I mean survive. You can't wait around for help. You're on your own. No one is going to do this stuff for you. So just start. Do it today. If all you have is your phone, then shoot something on there. Make it worthwhile for once. There are no rules anymore, so try and make stuff for absolutely nothing. Go for the greatest JP to cost split ever. Make something that's pretty good for no money, but that you learn a ton from. Get help by asking people how you can help them. Does someone secretly want to be an actor who also happens to have a sound gear? Or who also happens to be an editor? And then, above all, thank the good Lord for all your difficulties, because without them, you'd have nothing to bump up against. So work way harder than the next person, save your money now, and spend some of it on the doing. Work, save, invest in yourself. Here's a quote that I found from a writer named Trina Paul, CNBC. If you invest $2,000 a year, which is just $166 a month from age 19 to 27, and don't save anything again beyond that point, and assume your investments yield an average of 10% rate of return over the course of your lifetime, which is quite high, but anyways, this is the quote, you'll end up, says Trina Paul, with a million dollars by the time you're 65. The point is, if you start early, unlike myself, unlike a lot of artists who think, what, i got to save money on top of everything else? If you start early, you won't be old and broke. It's one thing to be broke when you're young. you got energy. You can live like a cockroach. You don't need a lot of space. You have good health. It's another thing to do it to be broke in your 60s or 70s. That is a terrifying proposition. You've seen them. You've seen the silverbacks working at Home Depot. You've been picked up by one, by an oldster in an Uber, haven't you? It hasn't gone well for them. They didn't plan ahead. All right? They're not just picking up some extra work on the side because Uber is fun. They're doing it to make ends meet. It's in the doing and the making. It doesn't matter if it's hard. That's a given. Everything's hard. But the return on investing in your art will always be worth it. Spend your time and resources on that, not on clothes or baubles or hype. When you're old and gray, will you look back at that amazing laptop you bought? Will you glory in that car you leased but couldn't afford? Or you watch, or will you watch videos of that weird comedy duo you were a part of back in the aughts with one of your oldest, dearest friends and revel in the fact that you took a chance on art? It doesn't matter that it didn't make any money. That's not what art's about. We can get that stuff in other ways. There's the artist and then there's the responsible adult who can take care of things. You're both. So let's get going. If you would like your question answered on the podcast, please send a voice memo to me uh, to my email address, jasonbryden at gmail.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-B-R-Y-D-E-N at gmail.com. This week's first question comes from Sophie M. in Montreal. Dear Jason, thanks for the podcast. Love it. What does all this job action mean for me, an actor, just starting out? Well, Sophie, I think it means more of the same. Adversity. I don't think it's anything to worry about. Uh, There are eruptions, uh, necessary ones, where industries um, morph into something different. Right now, I think... The evildoer is not the, the the dying studios, but big tech. And it's just too early to tell. I'm not saying the job action isn't necessary. Unions are uh, incredibly necessary, and they're under attack, and, and I'm a big supporter, and I think everybody should be paid their worth. I, for the life of me, don't understand why... Um, why the people at the top don't want to give the middle class a taste? Is this really the role of capitalism? Because if it is, then it's not good for us. I'm not saying anything new, am I? I just think that um, I just think that if you want to use somebody's likeness, you got to pay. And just because you found a way around it using technology, doesn't mean that you're right or better than anyone. It's going to bite you in the ass eventually. What I truly know or believe is, is that all this work and all this strife that's happening right now is necessary. And um, and I have a hard time with people um, that aren't in the top 0.01% uh, being down on unions. I have a feeling it just comes from ignorance. You know, without unions... No one would be, we'd be back in the industrial age. No one would be getting paid. There'd just be indentured servitude, uh, near slavery, and um, rampant poverty for days. We have a lot to uh, thank unions for. And that goes for people that aren't in a union. I mean, unions uh, create a benchmark to which all other employers, whether their outfit is unionized or not, use to figure out uh, how much money they're going to offer their workers. So if the workers are going away, for sure. You know, if AI is getting rid of the workers, I would not be surprised that capitalism just says, sorry, human beings, we've found a cheaper and easier way. Working with humans is hard. So I'm not asking, you know, for the hands of time to be turned back. I I, I don't want um, America to be great again. But what I do want is people to to stop being screwed out of their uniqueness, out of their um, intellectual property, out of their likenesses. Anyways, I got off topic, Sophie. I don't think it matters. I mean it matters, but I don't think it's something to worry about. If you're just starting out, things are gonna things are gonna become more concrete or more resolved as time goes by. Anytime there is a great storm, it's a perfect time to batten down the hatches. What you don't want to do is pine for the good old days. You want to stay. Crouch down, stay low, and store your nuts for winter. What a great time to work on your art, which is the reason we're here in the first place. It's the reason we got into this business. And just because the business is being disrupted doesn't mean you turn tail and run home. There's going to be a lot of naysayers out there right now in your proximity. They're going to grab onto that low-hanging fruit, and they're going to say to you, why are you getting into this business? I mean, it's a shit show. The reason is, is that you're compelled. It's an unsatisfactory reason to many people, like your parents, through anything like mine. Uh, but unfortunately, it's the truth. You know, you can't just stop doing what you love because it doesn't make sense. The good news is, is that performing... Uh, But the performing arts, the fine arts, they've never made financial sense. And that's what puts them a cut above. We're here for other reasons. Art doesn't stop just because times are tough. Art finds a way. Art doesn't stop because there are wars. It keeps going. It happens underground. What's the first thing that uh, the Nazis started stealing when they took over everything? It was art. They don't go around pillaging a law firm or an accounting firm. They don't head into the nearest orthodonti, orthodontia clinic. They don't, they, they don't find dentists or doctors. They don't go to schools and s- steal chalkboards. They take art. Artists are the first people that the fascists go after. That it's because we're dangerous. It's because we don't care about their rules. That's power. That's freedom. Now, if you can just convince the naysayers in your neck of the woods of this, then you might finally have some peace. But in the meantime, know that you are at the vanguard of revolution, that you're a part of a creative machine that is working towards something greater than the bottom line. We need the rebels. We need the artists. We need the rascals. We need people with different points of view to get us out of this mess. So take the pressure off. Keep your nose to the grindstone, my dear. You're in a great city to do it. Relatively cheap. Um, a keen eye for art, for culture culture that is sanctioned and protected by the state. Now is the time for you to flourish. If you've got something to say, say it. People need to hear it. And revel in the fact that great art comes from strife. You're in the right place at the right time. Exciting things are happening. It's very difficult. There are wars going on. The sky is falling. This is material for you. This is grist for your mill. So go out there and shine a light on it and create that art that reflects back to your audience uh, that which is going on. I hope that helps. Our next question comes from Baljeet G. in Halifax. Baljeet writes, How do I get into theater? Do I do my own? Do I audition? The auditions seem to be hard to get into. Where does one start? The answer is yes, Baljeet. All of the above. Everything is hard to get into. Everything is closed. The beauty of theater and entertainment, um, I think, is the same, uh, writ large, is, uh, is that the freaks and the weirdos are welcomed. It might not say that um, out there on the billboard, but they want somebody with a unique perspective, and you have that. Everybody does, if you can get out of your own way. The best way to get into theater is to show that as soon as possible. You have to make your own. Theater is relatively cheap, so what a great place to start. Halifax has a fringe, doesn't it? Bring your own venue. Put on a show. Find a script. Find a free one. Find one that you have to pay royalties to. It's super cheap. Playwrights are a dime a dozen. Find a playwright nearby. There's tons of artists in Halifax. You've got the world on a string, my friend. You're young. You live in a cultural center. Put on your own show. And you know, you'll, you'll start out doing it for seven or eight people. Feel that burn. In the meantime, figure out which theater companies in your area offer general auditions. That's why I keep telling people to have work going on by themselves. Like, work on things in your own time. Have those monologues. A general audition means you're going to have one classical piece uh, and one contemporary monologue. And if you have those nailed down, you're going to wait with a whole bunch of people in a waiting room. It's going to be hot and sweaty. Your name is going to be called. You're going to go in there, and there's going to be four or five people behind a table looking bored. One of them is going to say, Hi, thanks for coming. What have you got for us today? And that's when you launch into it. And the more you, you can do, the better. So start putting on your own shows immediately. Don't wait around for, to you know, to get good enough, whatever that means. Start now. Start at the lowest level possible. Find that church basement. Find that garage. Put something on. B- um, build your fan base. Advertise. Make up flyers. It doesn't have to be good. You just got to start doing it. Remember the, um, the triangle of knowledge. I, I wish I could remember who came up with it. If you do something, you'll retain uh, the experience you garner. You'll retain 90% of it. If you read about something, you'll retain 10%. It's in the doing. you got to start. You can't wait to be good enough. So start doing it. Start preparing two monologues. Look around and find those general auditions. More often than not, when you look for, an, for a general audition or any audition or any opportunity, a, a, you know, a grant deadline, they're always three weeks in the past. You've always just missed them. Know that this is the way it is for everybody. Don't compare yourself to others. You'll see other people doing way better than you. That's, it, it doesn't matter. You don't actually know what's going on behind closed doors. They've got huge warts on their ass, and uh, they're miserable in their marriage. All, know that everybody's suffering, okay? It's cold comfort, but it's the truth. So work on those two pieces, a contemporary monologue and a classical uh, monologue, like a Shakespeare or something, ugh, and then look for those general audition dates, and you be ready. you be more ready than anyone else. And in the meantime, find a play that you love. Find a one-act festival. Find a—I remember there was something in Vancouver years ago called Theater Under the Gun, and it was a 24-hour play festival or something. I, did, I think I did it a couple times. You got 24 hours. You assemble a team. I, I, you write it all. I directed it. I acted in it and then you put on a show and you and um and it's super funny and you meet a whole bunch of crazy creative people and there's a built-in audience because the festival had some clout and um and then it's over you know and 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 th- that's the beauty of theater it's so ephemeral it's so impermanent it's you know, it makes it special it makes it rare it's hard it uh, and you and you You really work that muscle, you know, of memorizing a whole bunch of lines in a short amount of time and the pressure and you get used to it and it's a glorious thing. You're in a glorious spot, my friend, and a great place to do it. So get out there and start. Start now before you think you're ready. The only way to get prepared for all of this is by doing it. You gotta jump at a boy. Our final question for today is from Francis Dula, Dule, Dule. I'm not sure. In Vernon, B.C. I know how to say Vernon. How do I take class remotely? Is it any good? I don't like the idea of staring at a screen. Me neither. More than I have to, but I want to practice while I'm working in Vernon as a teacher, and I want to pass on knowledge to my kids. Thanks so much. Love the show, Francis. Francis, you teach just like I do. You take class from other people, and then you steal all their good bits, and you use them yourself. Is that okay with everybody? I hope so, because that's what I do. And I hope people are doing it to me. I wonder who you're teaching, Francis. Um, yeah, online sucks. I'm with you. I am building an online practice right now. I'm going to offer so many classes online. People are going to be able to sign up for them via subscription. You're going to be able to take a class every single week. There's going to be accountability. There's going to be scene partners. You're going to make friends and it's all going to be online. The beauty of it is, is that that tiny little webcam on your laptop, or whatever you use to zoom into my class is the exact same device that you're going to use when you're on a film set or a TV set or whatever we're calling it these days. So the practice is totally applicable. I don't think you can really replace in-person classes. Maybe, maybe I'm just being old about it. But there's nothing like staring into the face of another human being three feet away, and feeling their pain, and their joy, and their fear, and their nerves, and their love. And I don't know if you can get that on a tiny tile of a screen on a on a computer, but I'm going to try. Other people are doing it, and people like it, because you just can't. I mean, this is a huge country, so why not access the best remotely? The other thing with online learning is, I mean, at least I think uh, with my school is that it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be way more accessible. And you'll be able to bank classes, watch lessons, um, audit classes whenever you want to. You're going to be able to um, work on the scenes at your own convenience. You're going to be able to uh, drop in anytime you like. So there's way more flexibility. You're going to be able to work on camera, which is good. And, And these days, uh, you know, callbacks, at least, are, all, are mostly on Zoom. So you might as well practice the thing. Vernon's a lovely place. I love the North Kootenays. You must go to um, Caravan Theater, right, in Armstrong? That's nearby, isn't it? What a great resource that is. Vicki Stroik and the gang out there, there's some talent up there. Or is it down there from Vernon? I can't remember okay francis sorry i butchered your last name i hope that helps and uh, check out boldacting.com because um, and i hope you're signed up to the newsletter at uh, boldacting.substack.com because um i'm going to be offering classes that might just fit the bill and write back in and tell me who you're teaching and and how what how what i'm teaching uh, lands with them i'd love to know i'd love to know if it's kids Because, um, I don't know, the only two kids near me, I think they're kind of sick of my voice. I can't tell if anything's landing. These days, I'm just parenting um, without talking. That's my latest thing, is just standing there, not saying anything, just waiting, just listening. Because I I don't think they hear me anymore. So I'm just going to try not to act like a maniac, which is a tall order for me and uh, and hope that that works for a while. Someone tell me I'm not screwing up. That's it for this episode of the Bold Acting Podcast. I don't know what number it is. I can't, I keep screwing it up, but I know that it's Friday, July 8th, 28th, and the uh, podcast is uh, two days late, but we're getting back on track now that I'm off. Now that I'm home from vacation, go to boldacting.com for more information. Send me an email if you want your questions answered on the podcasts to jasonbryden at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to YouTube and subscribe. There's so many more followers on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash jasonbryden. And it's all because Cormac McCarthy died. Go and check out that video. I put it up and I didn't even realize he died. And it was from No Country for Old Men. And, of course, he wrote the novel. And then uh, all of a sudden... So, anyways, I'm looking around for more, um, for more people that have just died. And, uh, God, look what the Internet does to us. So I can get more likes and views, I, I'm starting a death pool. Also, find me on Instagram, Jason Bryden of Canada. And I think that's it. Love you so much. Until next time.